Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Thank you so much for coming back. I am thrilled this week to have my first guest conversation, my longtime client turned dear friend and soul sister, Andrea Nunez. You're about to hear real talk about her life's journey and how she's learned to connect with herself. And of course, how that's all connected to her personal style journey. But before we meet Andrea, I want to start with some insider intel into the fashion world. So fashion weeks just wrapped up starting in New York, Then they went to London, Milan, and ending in Paris just last week. Now, when you see images from these runway shows, you may think, this is completely unwearable. Like, what is this? Who the hell is going to buy this? The answer in most cases is pretty much no one. Now, we're talking here about the high fashion designers, which is typically your luxury brands. So for Fashion Week shows, I'm going to tell you what goes down the runway is made for a couple of reasons. The first reason is art. Fashion is a form of art, and these designers are the top artists in their genre. Now, another reason that Fashion Week shows happen is to put on a show that provides you as the consumer with a visual theme, a mood, a feel, or a motif. So this indicates what you can expect to see on the shelves. So designers aren't really intending to sell exactly what's coming down the runway. So think of the runway like a very specific mood board for the actual collection. So like maybe that see-through micro mini dress that like no one's going to wear, when that gets to the store, it's going to be lined, lengthened, and made more widely wearable. So on top of the visual eye candy, one value of runway shows for all of us is that they're showing you what themes you're going to see six months from now in the stores. So this can help your buying decisions. For example, this season, a lot of the New York shows, red was the color of the season. So for you, knowing that if red's one of your favorite colors to wear, I mean, it's a power color for sure, you can start looking for it now or know to put red on your shopping list for the fall. So add to that Rihanna Super Bowl red moment, and we can be pretty certain it's a color we can bet on seeing. So I always say when a trend works for you, that it's the time to take advantage of it while it's in stores, because it might be harder to find in later seasons. Now we're going to get to the heart of this episode and I get to introduce you to my big hearted, dear, wonderful, full of life client turned friend, Andrea Nunez. Say hi, Andrea. It's me. Yay. Hello. (laughs) So just a quick um, background before we really get into it and start talking. So Andrea was born and raised in Brazil. She now resides in New York City where we met. She has a background of 25 plus years as a senior corporate human resources executive in large public companies and private equity. Through it all, my dear Andrea has experienced life as a major, major adventure. I can testify to that. (laughs) As an immigrant Latina working around the world, she's had to overcome significant barriers. One thing that impresses me most about my dear Andrea is her drive to do the inner work to continue to explore who she is, her priorities, and how she wants to show up in life. Your inner joy has 
led you to opt out for taking a long sabbatical at the height of your professional success, which I can't wait to dive into and talk about. And I can say as Andrea's friend that I've never seen her glowing brighter. She's just radiating and glowing. I didn't know that was possible. When I met you, I thought already I met this human being. I'm like, oh my God, she's light. She's love. She's everything. And now I'm like, holy shit, she shines even brighter. So I can't wait for all of you to get to see and share this light. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let Andrea talk to us more so you can learn from her. So my dear friend, hello. Thank you, Nat, for that beautiful introduction. Well, you know, I feel the I same way help. about you, of course. I think part of what has kept us so engaged and connected and growing in our friendship is we see a lot of this similar qualities in each other. So everything you said about me goes right back to you. Oh, I know. Well, we're sisters. That's one yes. thing. Whenever Andre and I sit together, it's we have these dinners and after there's always a text that comes after and it's like, oh, this is it's just what my heart needed. Oh my God, nurturing. I love you so much. So I love you nurturing. so much. It's, yeah. it's just really beautiful. And I feel really special to have been able to witness even your evolutions and for both of us to have evolved together. So you came to me kind of earlier when I was starting my business. I had a few years under my belt, but you know, you were in a completely different corporate position, different jobs, like almost a, a 180 in a certain sense from where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to kind of get to that today and talk about your story and how your style is related to your personal life and your journey. It's a beautiful story. It's a long story. <clears throat> the highlights of that story is that I um, worked for an American company in Brazil, um, actually starting the, the last year in college. And after working for that company a couple of years, they asked me if I'd be interested in coming to the United States to learn English and to get trained in some of the practices and tools that they had developed here so that I could go back to Brazil, bring that to the team there. So the intent was for me to uh, be in the United States for six months and go back to Brazil. And 22 years later, <laughs> I'm still here. I never moved back to Brazil. I go to <laughs> visit my family. Um, but I moved around uh, quite a bit, Nat. Uh, as you know, my first uh, port of arrival, so to speak, in the United States was in Virginia. Um, and I moved to this country not speaking English literally had one suitcase because I thought I'd be back home in six months. I had no relatives here, didn't know anybody here, um, but my professional career evolved. Uh, I've been very fortunate to see the world um, because of you know work opportunities. I lived in Europe, in France for a few years. Um, so we can go back and, and dissect some of that if, if interesting, but the the punchline of the story is after moving around and continuing to climb the corporate ladder, as they say, um, I made a personal choice to move to New York City. I felt a calling, felt a desire to be here, um, had visited over the years and just really loved the energy, the vibrancy of the city kind of... Um, was vibrating in the same frequency that I was at the time. And uh, that was in April of 2013. So it's coming up uh, 10 years since I moved here and since I met you, because I met you very soon after moving to New York. 
Yes. Yeah. That's true. Oh my gosh. 10 years. Yes. That's exciting. What's the exact date? Uh, April 8th. April 8th. Okay. And we must celebrate. I'm like, this is a lot to celebrate this year for your birthday. It's a big year. Yes. Big year. Let's go back. You arrive in Virginia. And then where did you go from Virginia? Was that then the Midwest? I was in Iowa for a while. Yeah. Back to Virginia, moved to Connecticut. Uh, And then Louisville, Kentucky. I went back to Connecticut. Then I moved to Atlanta. Then I moved to Paris. And I probably forgot one or two moves along the way. It was a lot of change. And most of them, if not all of them, driven by career opportunities with the same company up to moving to New York. Yeah. So when you had your, so your six months passes and did you decide, did you have an opportunity to go back or did you say, I want to stay? No, I had an opportunity to go back. um, And I had an opportunity to stay uh, for, you know, a a promotion and an investment in my development that was very um, appealing, very compelling and uh, in my mindset at the time, you know, I, I'm first generation college educated. My parents didn't come from, um, you know, a professional or corporate background. Um, I'm one of the first of my family to ever really leave the country, let alone, you know, establish myself professionally outside of Brazil. Um, and at the time, what I thought is, if I capitalize on the opportunity to stay here in this country and perfect my English a little more, my resume will be stronger when I go back home. So for the first three or four years of my experience in the U.S., I had every intention to move back to Brazil. I just wanted to be able to bring a body of experience that was solid and uh, significant that would be valued in the professional market back home when, when I returned. Okay. So then you're, you're the first three years, did you feel like you fully tried to integrate or did you always have one foot in one foot? I had one, I had two, two feet and my heart back home. (laughs) Okay, It was very hard to, to integrate. Um, I think I felt for the first time in my life, in my early twenties, uh, the stigma and the stereotype of being classified as a Latina. Um, because of the language, because of the way I looked, uh, because of the way I sound, uh, and sounded even more, uh, strongly back then. Uh, and it was a stigma that unfortunately was, uh, weighted with a lot of shame. It wasn't, um, something that I was ready to celebrate and to embrace, um, you know, to, to be Latina, to be different. And I think part of it was also because I was still, learning who I was, trying to figure out what made me, me. So the, the age and the maturity, uh, the newness or the, the, how strange the culture was and, uh, the behaviors, it was, a uh, you know, I felt rejected, um, and, uh, and very much, you know, discriminated against oftentimes. So my intention was to endure those challenges, learn and build um, a level of experience and skill set that would be valued back home. Um, but early on, like I said, for three or four years, I had no intention of assimilating or integrating into the culture here. Okay, so we have to take this back to style as yes. it connects to your life and yes. where you were at that moment. So let's go back to 20 something. 
most of you is in Brazil, but you're physically in the U.S. Yes. looking to go back. Were you dressing at the time to assimilate and blend into the U.S., or were you holding fast to your styles of Brazil? So something unique about those early years is that I was operating in a very industrial uh, kind of environment. So my work required me to wear a hard hat and safety glasses and steel toe boots. And and it was mostly jeans and, you know, very much oversized sweaters. Uh, so I operated I, in a this very. This is really blue, hard for me to picture. Yes, I operated <laughs> in a very blue collar kind of environment. I never wore high heels. I never wore skirts. I never wore dresses. I didn't put makeup on back then. Um, so for a good, oh gosh, the first seven, eight years of my time here in the U.S., I had no style. I would say that my style was I had no style. It was very masculine in the way that I dressed. Um, and uh, and in a way that served me well, you know, I wasn't self-conscious about it. Um, and it wasn't until later on, I'm going to say probably seven years or so into my moving here, that my career took a turn from that manufacturing blue collar env- environment into more, you know, of an executive uh, rank with more. Um, of the the leadership and um, really executive um, environment. And at that point, my shift was to, I have to fit in. And I basically started copying what I saw in other women, which by the way, were much older. So of a a different generation from me and, um, for the the vast majority uh, of the cases, the few women that I had in my professional environment were American. So I didn't really have role models or references of successful female Latinas. Uh, Again, still dealing with the scars of the stereotypes that I had suffered early on. At that point, how were you feeling about those stereotypes? Were you feeling like you were able to shed those or were they still, um, you know, getting in the way of your. They, they were, and I think some of them were getting in the way, like in a very tangible and real, um, manner. And, and I'll give you an example. I heard things like, um, does your family live in a tree house or did you grow up with pet monkeys? Uh, and one that I'll never forget was like a defining moment in my career was when a manager, white man, middle-aged in a position of power asked me if I, if my bikini line was waxed Brazilian style, like facing that in the corporate environment crushes you. It's telling you, like, you don't belong here, and I'm going to put you in your place in a way that you're not going to doubt. So those were, you know, external influences that were coming to me. Uh, But there were a lot of them that were still in my head, you know. Um, The language was a big one. My appearance, it's like I just didn't see people who looked like me. Um, So I think the shift to actually embrace that and put away 
any shame or, you know, any of that weight. It really didn't come until I achieved more of a, a, a established position of authority and leadership. I, it felt to me like I had to get up to those ranks first in order to then be able to claim for myself the space and the opportunity to really show who I was much, much later. Well, much, much later. I was going to yeah. say then let's let's get to how we were introduced. So I know how you were introduced to me. Let's loop into Andrea's newly in New York, 2013, yes. right? And yes. I got a phone call introducing you to me, but why don't you jump in and tell me the back end of how that happened? Yeah. So I had come from a few years where from a, like a, my career was striving and progressing. And I was, again, climbing that ladder up, up, up really fast, much faster than I had ever projected or imagined or, you know, my ambitions allowed me to dream of. Um, on my personal life, it was kind of the opposite. You know, it was the, the, the tower of everything I trusted and believed in was collapsing. And it was a series of events of... You know, my parents got divorced. Um, my family business back in Brazil basically uh, went through a bankruptcy process. We lost uh, pretty much everything that we had. Uh, my mom died in a car accident. It was devastating. Uh, I had a fire. <laughs> the few things that I was able to acquire in this company, in this country, when I was starting to establish myself, literally burned down to you know to ashes. Um, I got married, but very quickly got divorced. And that was a very painful process. I had some health issues. I think not surprisingly, I had gained a ton of weight through all of these challenges. So I was facing a lot of, um, just body image issues. And I'm telling you all that because my arrival in New York was kind of like finding a safe Harbor after having navigated an ocean through a major storm. Uh, so I was in a very fragile state of mind and emotional um, state, uh, recovering from these challenges and reestablishing myself in the U.S. after um, leaving abroad. So I had a, a boyfriend at the time that was really a great anchor and supporter for me. Uh, and he was the one who, who bought a, a package with you and gave it to me as a gift saying, hey, now you have a new home. Um, it's a like a fresh beginning. And part of it is going to be, you know, infusing yourself with a renewed sense of confidence in who you are to, to start this new chapter. And then I, uh, I gained a friend. A lifelong friend and soul sister it was the best gift I ever received. <laughs> Hands down, best gift ever. I love that. I'm yeah. smiling ear to ear. And what I love about this gift is the way that he approached it is oftentimes people want to gift some sort of styling package and it's um, more of a checkbox. What I love about how you came to me was it was with the intent with confidence. And it was looking at it as internal work, which aligned so much with where you, you were, you'd gone through literal hell, you'd been through fire and you're here ready to rise like a Phoenix essentially. Yes, and, and big time. 
really I'm like, very you know Ill. appreciative of the fact that he as a man I want to point that out because I think oftentimes we have women our mothers our sisters our girlfriends who our daughters those of us who have daughters that will see the need for that infusion of confidence and joy into our lives to support and reflect our inner journeys and in my case that came from a man I think it's really rare uh, but it was beautiful at the time that he was the one saying, your inner journey is a journey of transformation that's not reflected in the way that you dress and that you look. It's not reflected in, in your image. Let's fix that. <laughs> Let's show the world what the phoenix looks like, renewed from the other side of, of all those challenges. And I think it's important to note the difference that he wasn't saying it like, I want you to look better. Oh, you know, baby, wear this and that. It was truly a gift for you to feel good, for you to find yourself in this place that you're in and what that literally looks like on your body and to love it. And I remember sitting in, I think it was our first styling session and he was really good at pretty much staying out of the room. But at one point you put something on and he's like, Oh yeah, you look like fire, and everything was just so positive. And you uh, it started was, to do your, it was affirming, it was supportive, um, and again, I think there was an element of fun, you know, permitting myself, allowing myself to enjoy that process, to have fun with it, was a celebration of what I had learned and what I had been through and the fact that I was on the other side of this really claiming a space for myself in life. Uh, so very much a reflection of the joy from the inside, you know, on, on the outside. I think I remember from that first shopping trip, we were on Fifth Avenue around Flatiron, right? I think that's where we shopped. And I, if I remember correctly, and this was so many years ago, you sent me a message about a top that we bought that you wore to some sort of drinks or something. And you said like, I felt so excited. And you said something to that effect. Do you remember that? I, well, there was so many moments like that. You know, there were moments that w were ingrained in my memory of you know, walking into a room and standing out, being noticed because of what I was wearing or, or how I was presenting myself and having the feeling of I'm not afraid to be the center of attention, right? It's like the, the styling choices started to convey an intentional message. Like you can notice me because I have something to contribute. You can notice me because I'm somebody you want to get to know. You know, you can notice me because I'm here with a purpose. Like I bring something to the table. So it was all connected. It wasn't a, a grabbing attention for the sake of um, vanity or it wasn't superficial. It was very much stepping into my power. Um, and the other thing that I remember from those days was how inspiring it became to others. You know, spontaneously, without me asking, ever bringing that up, other women and sometimes men would come to me and say, I love those pants. I love those shoes. I love the color of your shirt. Uh, and in acknowledging it as you are unique, you are powerful, 
and it's inspiring to see how your outfits are, you know, communicating that, conveying that. There's, they're bringing your inside out. Yes. They're like, you see the outfits and you're like, that's someone that, like I say, you light up a room and you weren't afraid to dress in that way. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk about those. So when we first worked together, so Andre and I worked together multiple times consistently, and it seems like every time it's when you're changing careers, um, changing positions. So the first time you were dressing to want to stand out, but there were still some corporate guidelines that you had yes. to follow. Big time. Yes. Then you move up in position, you climb, keep climbing that ladder and you were in a bigger position of power. And I remember you expressing that you wanted to then start dressing for people to feel comfortable and to bring them in versus, and then we're going to go to the phase three of, I remember when we were dressing, but let's talk about then that transition in between where at first it was corporate starting to claim your power. And then the next was to communicate something else. It was less about the dress code, more about the message. Yeah. And I think it's connected with what you asked earlier about embracing my background as a Latina and, you know, getting past the the shame or the concern that I had about how other people perceived me. I did a lot of work with the Latino community. And of course, not surprisingly, started to see a pattern that the things I heard or uh, the experiences I had and the self-doubt that I experienced was common along you know amongst that community and i'd go beyond and say that it's common in minority uh, demographics and communities of of any kind and i'm fortunate that my career put me in a position to do a lot of work with with those communities inside of the company and outside and as i i um reach the, the the point of being in positions of leadership positions of more responsibility, I really felt um, that it was important for me to be the carrier of a message that represented not just myself, but a broader group of people and that conveyed to that group you know, don't be, don't be embarrassed of your curly hair. Like the hair was a big part of it. I don't know if you remember that, but I used to straighten my hair and really wanted my hair to look like I, I was blonde for a while. I really feel like I was trying to reflect an image that wasn't mine. Um, and, uh, and when I, when I uh, let my hair go back to its natural state and embrace the, the curls. I got so many comments about that from other uh, Latinas and, and from black females that say, wow, like we don't see executives with curly hair, <laughs> you know, embracing the, the that more free and perhaps wild or really a natural look. Um, so to answer your question, I think that phase two of us working together was I want to, yes, reflect how I feel about myself and I want to be representing to other women that come from similar backgrounds as mine that it's, it's okay to bring, you know, the, the textures, the colors, the shapes, the fun, the boldness of the backgrounds that, uh, that we come from into the workplace. It's still professional, right? Still very credible, um, it's still commanding respect 
it's still conveying authority, um, but it definitely celebrates the heritage. You were learning how to align to what you needed to align within you know, a corporate structure, the spaces you were going to be in to respect the spaces, but then still respect your heritage, respect yourself, respect your culture. Um, so you were able to bring those pieces together, which is really beautiful. And I think such a great example for people to see it in action. You were literally walking the walk, wearing the walk. You were, you were starting to be someone that people can say, oh, okay, I get it. I can yeah. do this too. Yeah. Which and, I love. and the, the, um, the interconnectedness, right, of like that image and the how it was received with such positivity, with that appreciation, with the acknowledgement that it inspires people, that it was unique. It feeds the confidence. It's an affirmation, like you're in the right path. This is the journey, Andrea, that you are meant to 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 be in. This is the path you're meant to walk. And so it's self-fulfilling, right? One thing leads to the other. Um, it was a it was a transformative time of my life because the the more free I became, the more uh, reach I had. You know, I think like the the contradiction that so many of us fall under is that, oh, I have to fit in and I have to conform to the majority rules in order to grow. And for me, like I, I did to a certain extent, but my, um, my progression and what I was able to achieve took off on a big scale once I was like, I'm different. What I'm bringing is not what everybody else brings. That was magical. It was I remember very fun that to moment. live through that. I remember sitting at a breakfast with you when you told me about you um, being one of the keynote speakers at a big conference that you had. Yes. And we talked about how it was such a big moment professionally and as a statement of you as a Latina woman standing there with mostly male speakers and we talked about what you were going to wear and we were like, we're going effing bold. Well, you went <laughs> like bright and bold. I'll never forget. I wore this dress. It's beautiful colors and a beautiful pattern. And it had blues and golds and, you know, just felt like stars were shining all over. Uh, and yeah, just owned it. Just owned it. It You radiated like your like your message, like what you did, like your talent, like all of it. So it was just one big piece of synchronicity that was you. So now I want to talk about, that was a great phase, but let's talk about this phase. Um, as we were moving into, let's talk about tattoos and let's talk about really showing up as you. So I remember when the first couple times we worked together, all these transformations, but we still covered tattoos. We still had the longer hair. Uh, we still you know, we're like almost to this phase, but there was still a big shift. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, part of it is that as I keep getting more tattoos, and <laughs> they keep getting bigger, they're harder and harder to cover. It's all connected. You know, it, this is such a profound question. And I was reflecting on this recently, Nat. I, uh, I'm going to bring up a like an example um, of how Carl Jung, the psychologist thinks about the archetypes of our personality. So just to take a divergent and I'll, I'll bring it back to your question about the current phase. But um, he says that 
our personalities or our psyche basically has four components to them. One he calls the, the, the self. So it's like your true inner voice. I like to think of it as that part of you that never changes, right? It's your inner light, your inner wisdom. Uh, it never fails you. It's there for you all the time, no matter the circumstance. It's like it's who you truly are deep inside. And then the second um the second part is what he calls the ego. And that is kind of, I like to think of it as like our interface with ourselves, right? Is the part of us that have, that has like thoughts and feelings and memories and likes and dislikes and has a body. It's kind of like how we interface with ourselves. The third component is uh, the persona. So he describes the persona as the role that we play. It's our interface with the world. Quite literally, you know, the role we play in society. And I find it um, very curious. It's one of the things I've learned um, in observing how professionals show up in the world is that they actually think of themselves or define their identities based on the role that they play, right? I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, or even like a mother or a soccer fan. It's like we're so much more than that. And what I come to to see very clearly now in hindsight is that this 18 months that I took off, you know, this quote unquote sabbatical was really a calling that I felt to experience myself, to be with myself outside of my professional persona. It's like, what else is there? Let me really sit with that, get to know who I am outside of the professional role that I play. And then the last uh, part of the, the Carl Jung mo uh, model is what he calls the shadow, which are like our dreams and desires that get suppressed or repressed deep inside because people tell us, you know, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to have tattoos, you know, only criminals have tattoos or you, know, <laughs> you can't be an artist, you can't enjoy rock and roll, you can't whatever gamble is not right so whether it's the government or religion or our parents we get told that certain things that we desire are not okay and i'm bringing all this up because young uh, says that a complete human being for us as an adult to be fully exercising our potential we need to integrate all four, four of those things. There's not one that it's more important than the other. There is not one that is right or wrong. But a person who knows themselves, they know all of these different facets and is able to accept them, to embrace them, and let them show to the world. And that's where I feel like I am in my life right now. I finally can say, like, I know all of these different angles of who I am. And it's not to say that, you know... There is a finish line to this. I think we keep on discovering more layers and There's never finding new ways line. to grow. There's never a finish line, but I am ready to integrate them and to show them to the world. So the tattoos, the curly hair, um, my body shape, my relationship with my physical body, with how I take care of myself has evolved over the years to reflect that as well. So I wanted, you know, I wanted to show the the magic and the grace and the freedom of that soul, right? I wanted to show 
the credibility, like the seat at the table, the space that I have earned, that my ego, my persona want to claim, like I am a professional that has built a successful path for myself. And I want to claim that and show that to the world. Uh, And I also want my rock and roll side, (laughs) my edge, my boldness to come across, my fun side. So, and, and I think fashion, I went through a, you know, my early days, um, I almost was like anti-fashion, you know, I wanted to be anti-establishment and not falling to the expectations of being like the fashion magazine cover girl that, you know, buys certain brands or the body looks a certain way. And I came full circle to actually see fashion as an instrument that's perhaps the most powerful one to convey this message more than words ever could could right because if you think about it i think images i learned that from my dear artist sister whom you know and you know how much is an influence in my life but images are more eloquent than words can ever be images convey more meaning than words ever could and I think fashion is it's no different. That's the, the purpose that it serves for us is that's my image. It's what I am showing, conveying beyond words to the world about how I see myself. Long answer to your question. <laughs> I, I love that answer. This is why you're here. You're just the way you describe it is I do this as a profession and sometimes I just need you to come in or someone else to to show what it's done for you too and what you want it to do for you. And I know for us, we have some work to do in this next. We do. I'm excited because this past, you know, since I quit my corporate job, right? About uh, well, it's almost two years ago in the spring of 21. And I took 18 months uh, off and spend a lot more time in the country. So outside of the city, that changed the, my relationship to what I wear. Um, Obviously, the pandemic has a huge impact uh, in the way that we see this. I think I've become way more sensitive and aware to the culture of consumption and more committed to sustainability and to a more minimalist style. Um, And what I see in my wardrobe, because my wardrobe was kind of (laughs) frozen in time, Right. I didn't buy much of anything really this past couple of years. So when I open my wardrobe now, I still see um, pieces that represent the Andrea that tried to fit in. There's still some lingering, you know, presence there. Uh, and I'm just ready to purge, make like a massive purging of whatever reflects the past and have um a more streamlined wardrobe uh that reflects who i am now how i see myself now and i think the the litmus test like the ultimate goal you and i have talked about this for me right now is to have pieces that can go from a casual brunch with friends to a professional engagement with one of my new clients now with my new business or you know an evening event with my partner jason i just want a wardrobe that can cross uh different needs or different situations which is something 
I would say I've never really had. It was always like a casual wardrobe, a evening wardrobe, a professional wardrobe. And I kind of, it added a complexity to the way I think about dressing that I'm not willing to deal with anymore. And the beauty is, is you don't have to, because you're bringing yes. your whole self into everything. Everything, and exactly. so it's where these pieces mix and match. It's not yes. one set puzzle where pieces have to go in a certain place. This yes. is a choose your own puzzle. Mm -hmm. And so now the goal will be to make sure every single thing we put on your body is reflective of these components of you, where you are now in your authenticity. And then we just put them where they need to be, mix and match them where they need to go. Yes. But they'll all be you. So I think that what that says is you're going to have to come back once we've done this next update now that everyone has heard your journey and we need to see what this next component looks like. I love it. I can't wait. I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready for it too. So this will be a TBD and we'll have to bring you back. Is there anything else that you want to share before we get into our last activity about, you know, where you are now, what's next, how styles played a part, how, you know, breaking the norms is. No. And I think, you know, I just want to thank you for being with me in this journey and then having this discussion, this conversation about oh, it. Oh, my friend, this is just a joy oh for me. It is what I feel is like both you and I have gained a perspective about what's important in our lives and it has shaped the choices we've made in relationships, at work and um, location where we spend our time. Um, and for me, it's much less about what is the next achievement. It's more about what's the next discovery. What's the next experience. It's kind of like, I want to continue to expand the reach of what I experienced in this life. And, you know, without really worrying about proving myself or, you know, status and, yeah, it's less about achievement or chasing the next thing. It's really about the openness and the presence of mind and heart for that expansion of experiences. And and this uh, conversation with you just falls right in the heart of what that is. I agree. It's Yay. like the pieces have all been there. Now it's just like layering them and making them more fun and interesting and just like cup filling, you know, it's not like, well, this needs to go in this cup and I need to chase this. It's all just like, let's just let it fill. Fill and then be contagious, right? That is like, it's, it's what my coach asks me sometimes, like, Andrea, what is it that you want to be the source of? And I see that in you. Like we want to be the source of that inspiration, of that light, of that joy. And I learn from you every time we talk. I get inspired every time I spend time with you. So just like big thank oh, you for that. Stop making me cry Yay. as always. <laughs> oh, my girl. I your just success love you. is my joy. I love seeing your trajectory. I'm so excited for what's coming with BU Style and everything you're doing. Likewise, and we'll do it together as we always do. And 
guys. We'll keep talking. We'll keep building. We'll keep growing. We'll keep conversing. And it's we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yes, my sister, so. for sure. <laughs> All right. So speaking of fun, you know I love games, too. Uh, now we've yes, got the heart you do. Side. Now, we, now we've got to get the silly side. All right. So we're just going to end with a fun game of style rapid fire questions for you. Okay. So just quick answers. <laughs> um, you know, a couple sentences, quick answer here and there. And let's do it. Okay, bring it on. All right. First one. What do you miss most about Brazilian fashion? Ooh, the the element of surprise. There's always something unexpected. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. What color makes you the happiest? All of them, bold colors. I like, I love to think of the, the chakras, you know? So it's red, yellow, orange, green, blue, purple, silver, gold, like bold Magnetic colors. colors. All of them, yes. All right, patterns. Do you love or hate them? Love. Winter the bolder, clothes the or better. summer clothes? The bolder, the better. The bolder, the, the better. Here. Yeah. Winter or summer clothes? Summer. <laughs> a sweater or a sweatshirt? Sweater. Jeans or leggings? Leggings. I knew I'm a one. yoga instructor after all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Love that one. Pantsuit or dress? Dress. Your favorite thing about New York fashion? Uh, variety. Diversity. Your, a favorite memory of working together? With you? There's so many, but it, there is one night you came to my apartment for, I think it was a styling session, and it was the night where we turned into client and, you know, service provider into really friends. I think we liked each other from the first day we met and the first conversation, but there was a um, a night in my apartment where we really revealed to each other who we were, and it's like, okay, we're friends for life, and that's a memory I'll cherish forever. Yeah, I remember that well. Yeah, That'd be mine too. Um, all right, <laughs> last one. What's your ultimate where who you are outfit and why? Oh, I think it would be jeans with a graphic T-shirt and a funky jacket like a fun shoe and I think it's simple it's timeless but there is also something you know edgy about it that I like and I like the Love approachability it. of that description very down to earth edgy but approachable so showing who you are but creating a safe space yeah that's that's what you do, and easy. my friend. I'm I'm all about easy this and comfortable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that that is you, my my dear, dear, dear friend. Thank you so much for coming. This was so fun. Thanks for being my first guest and letting me get out my, you know, first time jitters. I love it. I am truly honored, very grateful, and enjoyed every second of our conversation. Likewise. And I can't wait to share it with everyone else. So thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Where Who You Are. Now, my dad used to leave the house every day yeah. and he would remind me, remember who you are. So I'm going to leave you, you, you with that. I'm going to say, remember who you are and don't forget to wear it. Mm, thank you, you for uh, always you. encouraging me to do this. Love you. Thanks for joining another Where Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. 
Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BU Style. That's the letters B, U, and Style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore Tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Where Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again and see you next time.